0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Going Deutsch podcast. A look at the wonderful world of German football, which this time around is recapping the 2022 23 Fighter Bundesliga season. I'll just let you behind the scenes real quick. I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon. Everyone is outside having a lovely time talking and having fun and enjoying the hot weather we've been having in the UK this weekend. Meanwhile, I'm sat in my room completely covered in sweat and ready to talk to you about Hanover and Nuremberg and fantastic wild van clubs like that. So, you know... I really do know how to spend my weekend well, don't I? Because you know it's gonna be it's gonna be fun doing a lot of these teams, especially when you've not done any preparation of any kind because you've been too busy watching Le Mans. And I am watching Le Mans whilst this episode is taking place. I'm also watching the promotion playoff in the regional league for the final place in the Dritter League. It looks like Untashing are going to claim promotion. I might. Do a regional legal look at the end of this episode just to tell you who won that, just to, you know, make sure everything's complete heading into the summer break. This is the last episode before the summer break as well, so it's going to be weird not doing Going Deutsch for, well, over a month, so yeah, it's going to be different for me. And in the last break I had from Going Deutsch, obviously, for the World Cup, I did the NFL Blitz instead, and this time I'm not going to have... Any break at all? It's going to be the first time I've not been consistently podcasting since, well, July of last year, which is, you know, quite quite a long time. But anyway, welcome to the show today. I hope you're doing well and I hope this podcast finds you in good health as per usual. So, like yesterday's episode, recapping the Bundesliga, I'm going to go through all 18 teams in this fighter, talk about how they did, talk about some of their key players and key moments. And maybe look ahead to what's going to happen over the summer and where they should be aiming next season. Okay, yesterday's episode was long enough, so I see no reason to dilly-dally anymore. Let's just go straight into the teams and let's start off with the champions. Heidenheim finished in first place in the Spider-Bundesliga this year, and they only led the league for one match day, the end of match day 34, when they claimed the Sweater Bundesliga title doing so in the most dramatic of circumstances as well, of course, scoring two goals in added time against Jan Regensburg to not only secure promotion, which wasn't going to happen if they didn't win, but then also secure the league title because Darmstadt had lost against Royce Firth, but more on them later. So, obviously, Heidenheim were pretty much faultless this season. They have been in the top three consistently, since match day 15 and they be in the top two consistently for the last seven weeks of the season. It's a good thing they won against Jan Regensburg because if they hadn't and they had actually missed out on automatic promotion then we would have really been questioning why they dipped in form towards the end of the campaign because not only would they have not won against a side who were relegated but they also lost against Paderborn knowing that a win would almost seal promotion and they drew against Magdeburg knowing that a win would almost seal promotion on match days 31 and 32. But those two wins at the end of the season did erase all of that and it meant that Heidenheim sensationally won the fighter Bundesliga which is absolutely incredible. This is a side who, as late as the 2003 4 season, were in the Verbandsliga Wurttemberg, which is the fifth tier of German football. But they've slowly built their way up. They were promoted into the Oberliga Baden Wurttemberg, which at the time was the fourth tier, and then got their way into the Dritte Liga. And by 2014, were in the Svita Bundesliga and have been slowly getting better pretty much year upon year upon year, including the last five years all being top half finishers. They nearly got promoted back in 2019-20 when they finished third and lost out in the promotion playoff to Werder Bremen, but they have finally got promoted to the Bundesliga for the first time in the club's history. It is absolutely sensational and it is, of course, credit to their manager Frank Smith, who took his first managerial job with Heidenheim back in 2007. He's remained at the club ever since, and it means he will be the longest tenured manager in the Bundesliga when he competes in that league for the first time in August, taking that record off Christian Strike, which is absolutely sensational. He deserves so much praise for having built. This side up from the fourth tier as they were when he took over to the Bundesliga but also everyone at the club who has helped them on this incredible journey from fifth tier to top tier. It is another great fairy tale in German football whilst Union Berlin have been taking the attention of the World by getting into the Champions League, the achievements of Heidenheim in rising up the divisions and claiming their place at the elite table of German football cannot be underestimated. They have been absolutely sensational. Of course, it's not just Frank Smith who deserves credit. A lot of his players deserve a lot of credit as well. For me, there were three main players who pushed this side to promotion. Two of them we mentioned in last year's review of Heidenheim's season, Patrick Meinker, the amazing centre-back, one of the best in the Sweaterbunds League once again, Tim Kleindienst, really took his game to the next level this season and was arguably the best player in the entire Sviter Bundesliga. I haven't quite decided who player of the season is yet, but there's a very good chance that when you get to the end of this episode, I'll be saying it was him. 25 goals and six assists in 32 games. He was amazing. The other player who I think deserves a lot of credit. We didn't mention him last year. Well, we did, actually. That's a lie. We did mention him. But we were talking about him as a great player for Jan Regensburg, not for Heidenheim. But jan Nicholas Bester joined Heidenheim this summer and he was amazing for the side. 12 goals and 12 assists. 24 goal contributions in total. So he deserves a lot of credit as well. Those... For me, were the three main players, but you know, you look at like Marnon Bush, Adrian Beck, Florian Pick, Dennis Tamala, Kevin Muller, the keeper as well, all played their part. And that's the thing, right? Everyone at this club, from Frank Schmidt to the players, to the fans, to the staff, have played their part in getting this side into the Bundesliga. Heidenheim pipped HSV to that final promotion spot you could fit the entire population of Heidenheim into the Volkspark Stadion. That is the level of achievement, the level of overachievement, that Heidenheim have had here. So, obviously, we wish them all of the best in the Bundesliga next year, seeing the likes of Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, Borussia Mönchengladbach, and all of those historic sides travel to the 15,000 seater Voif Arena is truly going to be a sight to behold. Second in the Svite Bundesliga were Darmstadt, and like I said on the episode when they confirmed their promotion, I don't think any team were better than Darmstadt when they were at their best. They seemed to be a class above the rest of the league for most of the season. Obviously. They started off the campaign with a loss to Jan Regensburg, because weird, but then they went 21 Spitebunds Bundesliga games without losing. That run was only interrupted in March by who else but Heidenheim when they won 1-0 against Darmstadt. But Darmstadt were the clear and obvious favourites to go up for most of the season. They led the Bundesliga from its twelfth match day to its penultimate match day, of course. They would have lifted the title, which it felt like they deserved for most of the season. On the last day, if they had beaten Firth, but they had done too much partying in Mallorca, I believe, in midweek. Meaning that they lost that game 4-0 and Heidenheim claimed the title in their place. Of course, It is worth saying that in second tiers when you're fighting for promotion when that is the biggest goal, the trophy is a nice addition but it's not the be-all and end-all that it obviously is in the top flight. So Darmstadt will just be happy to be going back to the Bundesliga for their fifth ever season in the top flight. Obviously with Darmstadt when it comes to Dishing out the praise, we have to start with Torsten Liebernecht, the manager who joined the side from Eintracht Braunschweig two years ago when Marcus Angfang departed. Do you remember when everyone was worried about the fact that Angfang had left for Werder Bremen and they were bringing in the Eintracht Braunschweig manager? Uh fun times. But anyway, he's done really well in his two years there. There was a large stretch of last season where he was guiding them to be the best team in the spider Bundesliga, but they sort of trailed off towards the end of the season and finished fourth, only behind HSV on goal difference, so they could have gone up last year as well. But this year, they've been even better than they were last year. And that is mostly down to Liebernecht, who has been a fantastic manager For them, the key players, obviously, Philip Teets was fantastic again this year. 12 goals and 3 assists in the league. He formed a good partnership up front with Braden Manu, who had 7 goals and 7 assists. But also, Patrick Pfeiffer, the defender, was brilliant. It's a shame that he will be... Leaving to Augsburg this summer. It's also a shame that his final moment as a Darmstadt player was getting sent off in that game against Reuter Firth, But Matthias Bader was great, Marvin Mellon was great, Marcel Schuen, Christoph Zimmerman, Fabian Holland, Tobias Kemper. All of these players were absolutely fantastic for Darmstadt. It's why they were so good for so long this season and so convincingly above the rest of the league. They had the best defence in the Svita Bundesliga with just 33 goals conceded. Maybe you can say goal scoring is a bit of a concern going into next season because they only scored 50 goals compared back to Heidenheim's 67 and Hamburger's 70. It's not great, but at the same time I do have every faith they'll be able to improve upon this squad this summer. We thought they were going to struggle with departures last year and they made an even better squad and I assume even with the departures that they've already confirmed this, of they're going to be able to build back even stronger for the upcoming Bundesliga campaign. Of course, I think the most fitting thing from Darmstadt this season was their dfb Pacal run, because they only made it through to the third round where they would get knocked out by Eintracht Frankfurt, local rivals of course. But in their two games against Bundesliga opposition this year, they looked like a Bundesliga side. Whether it was in that win against Borussia Mönchengladbach or in that defeat to Eintracht Frankfurt, they looked like they belonged in the Bundesliga. Now it's up to them to prove they belong next season. Third in the fight of Bundesliga this year were Hamburger. Well, here we are again. It's always such a pleasure. Yeah, it's not been a great five years for HSV, and to be honest, at some point it has to be considered torture to their fans, because in the five seasons they've spent in the spider Bundesliga League so far, they have finished 4th, 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 3rd, 3rd. So, to be honest, that doesn't sound particularly fun, even as a St. Paul, fan, I can sympathise with that. And it's hard to really know what's going wrong, per se, because we had this conversation last year, what was it that was causing HSV to constantly slip up? And this year, it's hard to really point to any clear problem, except for the fact that They didn't pick up enough points, except they also kind of did pick up enough points because they got 66 points in the Spider Bundesliga this year. If they had got that total last year in that super competitive Spider Bundesliga with all of the big sides in, they would have been champions. And that's wild that this year, that same points total meant 3rd and the playoffs against a Stuttgart side who were really in form under Sebastian Hurness, who had, you know, done a great job of turning the side around. And so they didn't really have a chance. If they had gone into that game against a Schalke or a Herter or somebody else, literally anybody else, they probably would have had a much better chance of getting promoted. But no, it feels like the football gods were really against them this year in that regard. Of course, it wasn't the Football Gods that made them lose 3-2 to Magdeburg, and that is a fair point to make. Nor was it the Football Gods who told Mario vuskovic to illegally dope and therefore get banned for the season as well, or for two seasons. So there have been problems that HSV have put in their own way as well as the season just seemingly conspiring against them. So, HSV's performances on the pitch were technically very impressive. Getting 66 points in a 34-game season is impressive. However, it is also worth bearing in mind that their budget is significantly bigger than any other side in the spider Bundesliga. And when you have a significantly bigger budget, and you can bring in all the best players and the best manager, and you have the biggest stadium and one of the loudest fan bases, you really should be setting the bar as high as possible. Now, whether that means that Tim Volter should have been sacked for this season or not, I'm not sure. I think that might have been a bit harsh. And, of course, HSV are keeping on for next year. But it is really a put-up or shut-up season for everyone at that football club, not just Tim Volter. The people who are above him, and there has been some internal fighting this year that we've talked about on this podcast in the past. But somebody needs to fall on their sword for what's been going on at HSV. It feels like they should have got promoted by now, but spending a sixth season in the Spitebunds Liga is failure, ultimately, for a club of HSV's size. I'll tell you who this wasn't the fault of. It wasn't the fault of Robert Glattel, who was one of the best strikers in the Spitebunds Bundesliga this season. 19 goals and 3 assists. Credit also goes to Ludwig Rice, one of the best Midfielders in the Schweizer Bundesliga who will almost certainly be getting very big attention from some of the best sides in the Bundesliga because, you know, he's shown himself to be a very high quality player at such a young age as well. Bakri Yata played really well. Moritz Heyer, John Luke Domper. Daniel Hoya fernandez was arguably the best goalkeeper in the Spider Bundesliga again this year. And Sebastian Schoenlau as well. So... They've got a really good squad, a squad that one would assume is capable of actually getting promoted. They they were nearly there. They were celebrating on the pitch against Sandhausen, but Heidenheim cruelly ripped away their hopes of automatic promotion. And like I said last year, it feels like they're just never going to be able to do it in the playoffs, which is less of an inflection on HSV and more an inflection on the chances that a fighter Bundesliga side have of getting promoted through the playoffs. I don't know where they go from here. I don't know whether HSV fans should be feeling optimistic or pessimistic. I I have no idea, but maybe the sixth time will be the charm. Fourth in the spider Bundesliga League of this year were Fortuna Dusseldorf. The first full year for new manager Daniel Tion as a train passes by my window. So if you can hear that, I, I know you can hear it. But the first year for Well, first full year for manager Daniel Tion, And it was a success for Shuna Dusseldorf. Did take a significant step forward this year. Now, whilst 4th might sound impressive. And that's because 4th is impressive. What that doesn't tell you is that they did finish 8 points behind HSV. And to be honest, there wasn't really any point where it felt like Dusseldorf were in the race for promotion seriously. Like, even when... Most people would have said that, oh, they can definitely claw their way back in. I was saying about the chasing pack, including Fortuna stuff, that it didn't feel like they're going to catch up. But still, it was a successful season. It was a big step forward and hopefully they can continue to build on that next campaign. They won't be doing it with David Kornatsky, who was their best player this year and one of the best in the spider Bundesliga. League of 14 goals and 9 assists. He was absolutely sensational for Fortuna Düsseldorf and had quite a few seriously impressive moments. Those moments earning him a move to Werder Bremen in the process. Shinter Apple Camp might be going out the door with him as well because he was absolutely fantastic once again this year. He's only 22 as well, so there is a good chance a Bundesliga side will want to pick up a player like him. And if you're thinking, Alex, don't put these players in the shop window, you don't want to tempt a Bundesliga club into buying them, don't worry, none of them are listening to this podcast, but yeah. Apple Camp was fantastic. Felix Klaus, Matthias Zimmerman as well. Florian Kastenmeier, former Red Star legend on Football Manager for me, uh, he was brilliant too. But yeah, the the key word for me with Fortuna Düsseldorf this year is progress. They definitely made progress. They looked like a significantly better side this year than they did last year. And they do have a chance with that great fan base to really launch themselves into the promotion conversation next year they just need to replace Kornatsky and make a few extra good signings they could easily get into it and make it sound like it's really easy to think I'll oh, just make a few good signings if anyone can I'm sure Dusseldorf can so best of luck to them and hopefully as well you might remember a few weeks ago we talked about their potential strategy to try and get Three tickets for home games for their fans. That'd be absolutely sensational. So if they do that, then they deserve even more luck. That'd be fantastic. As Dusseldorf, I a return to the Bundesliga. Fifth were Saint Pauli, and it's fair to say that this season was a roller coaster of emotions for the boys in brown. Obviously, starting the campaign with Timo Schultz as manager, we expected that they would probably take a step back this year. After all, they'd lost Guido Bergstahler and Daniel Kopiture going into the season, but we didn't expect them to be as bad as they were. St. probably looked like they were one of the sides in contention to be relegated out of the spider Bundesliga, League, and that was obviously very bad. But at the same time, they'd sort of had the same problem this year that they had last year in the sense of... The performances being okay or the performances being good and them just not being able to put the ball in the back of the net leading to losses and draws where they should have been picking up more points than they did. Anyway, St. Pauli would take the controversial decision in December to sack Timo Schultz as manager. This wasn't a decision that went down too well with the fan base at the time. I, on the Sports Blitz website, wrote about the decision and said that I wasn't happy with it because unless Timo Schultz is expected to put the ball in the net for the strikers, then he hadn't really done anything wrong. They promoted his assistant to the head coaching job, Fabian Herzler, taking over. And Fabian Herzler is very young for a manager. He's 29 years old. So, obviously, there was... A lot of worrying about whether Herzl would be able to do well and a lot of worrying about whether St. Pauli would go down with him at the helm, not because of him, but because in the 17 games Schultz had managed this season, St. Pauli had won three, drawn eight, lost six. That was 17 points from 17 games, which was level on points with 17th place Magdeburg in relegation places and only one point ahead of Sandhausen in last place. So it was unknown whether Herzl would be able to do well and if he would be able to do better with this club than what Timo Schultz did. However, Fabian Herzl, the 29-year-old manager, came out and won 10 straight games to begin his managerial career, finishing off with a 1-0 win away at Heidenheim, which was absolutely fantastic. And it meant that St. Pauli were somehow in promotion contention at that point there were only four points behind Heidenheim and six behind HSV in second place so they did have a chance at the end of the season to actually get promoted because uh, Fabian Herzler's job in turning the side around however they would drop form after that they lost to Eintracht Braunschweig the following week and it was clear from there on in that they weren't going to be able to push for promotion Still, this doesn't take away from how good the season has been overall for St. Pauli, because, first of all, they finished fifth. I think, considering that they lost their two key players in the summer and didn't really have the finances to replace them, to actually finish in the top five this year was, was phenomenal. And also, you consider how they started the season, how they looked like they were genuine relegation contenders at the halfway stage of the season for them to turn it around and be... The best side in the Ruckwunder was truly fantastic. I don't know if they were the best side of the Ruckwunder in the end, but let's just say they were because that will make us all feel better. Okay, so I've just checked and they absolutely were and it wasn't even close. And Pauli with 41 points in the thunder the nearest two of them were Heidenheim on 34 points. So yeah, they were easily the best side in the Ruckwunder. It wasn't even close. So, why were they the best side of Rookrunder and why was this side so good? Well, give credit to, for me, player of the season, Jackson Irving. He was sensational once again, as was Marcel Hartel. Liat Pachavada in his last year before moving to Köln was one of the best players at the club as well. And I do think the January edition of Dapo Lion was a really good one. I think he's settled into the club really well. There are a few promising young players here who could hopefully build on what St. Pauli have done this season and hopefully there won't be many additional losses this summer outside of Pacerada, who we know has been moving to Cologne for quite some time. So yeah, it's been a very promising start to the Fabian Herzler era at St. Pauli. So promising, he was actually being linked with the Forest job back when Steve Cooper was under pressure there and also is still on the list as one of the, well, not one of the favourites for the Leeds job, but he's being linked with the Leeds job, which I just find absolutely hilarious. I mean, as a Leeds fan, it's not going to happen for several reasons and to be honest, I don't want it to happen because I want him to stay at St. Pauli, but also it is just like objectively funny that Fabian Herzler like, what, six months after his first game in charge of St. Pauli being linked with Leeds. It's just its just really weird. But yeah, hopefully this is a season that St. Pauli can build on. I do have faith in them doing that. Sixth in the spider Bundesliga League this year were Paderborn. And there wasn't much to complain about for Paderborn for most of this campaign. Except for the fact that they finished sixth, I guess, which isn't a promotion place in the Schweitzer Bundesliga, so shame for them. But they did have the second-best attack in the league and the fifth-best defence in the league, which is why it's a tad bit confusing that they only finished sixth. But when you look at the players who were so good for them going forward, Robert Leipertz was fantastic, Florent Musselia, Marvin Peeringer all getting double-digit goals. Peeringer again eight assists as well, so he had 18 goal contributions for the season. But they also had a lot of good depth as well from the likes of Felix Platter, Sir Lord Conter, Dennis Sabini as well. Outside of those players, Julian Yusvan was fantastic this year. Von Schallenberg was fantastic. Yanis Hoyer, the centre-back, Maxi Brewer, Marcel Hofmeyer, Yannick Hoof, the keeper, of course, as well, also putting in a good campaign. But they weren't able to put it all together, and they did finish quite away behind HSV in that third place. They were 11 points behind them at the end of the season, so it's a bit hard to diagnose why they weren't able to keep up. They did lead the Spider-Bunch through a lot of the early stages. They were... Top as late as the eighth game of the season, and in the top three as late as the 14th game of the season, but then they fell out and were never able to recover. Of course, the season did take us our turn at the end when Lucas Kwasniok was arrested in Spain on allegations of sexual assault. He was released without charges, and that's really important to say, but Regardless of what the truth is, I think we can all agree that it was a very sour way to end the season. If he's innocent, then it's obviously very bad for him and emotionally distressing, One would assume. though, like we said, we don't really know the full details yet. But... Regardless of what it was, it was a very bad way to end the season for Paderborn. Hopefully next year they'll be able to push on with what they did well this year because there is obviously a lot to like there. They were really good going forward. They were also really good at defending and hopefully they can bring in a few more of those younger players who have been serving them so well recently. I did forget to mention in the last episode they've signed David Kinsombi from Sandhausen on a free transfer and I do think that is absolutely fantastic because he's... He's been brilliant for them. Though, I, I did also forget to mention that Marvin peeringer was a loaning. And he's going to be going back to Schalke. And they're probably going to be keeping him for the Spider Bundesliga season. So, that's a shame. But yeah, there's a lot of retooling to do at Paderborn. But they are definitely in a good position to push on in the Spider Bundesliga. Seventh in the Spider Bundesliga were Karlsruhe, And it's now time for the Michael Kaufmann, Paul Nabel. Marvin Banik, Gushingauer. Yay! I tell you what, those three were absolutely fantastic this year. Mikhail Kaufman came in on loan. He's been linked with a lot of Bundesliga clubs for next season. He came in on loan from Copenhagen, if I remember correctly. But 30 appearances, 10 goals, 6 assists, and he was absolutely fantastic in Nearly every game for me, I I found something to enjoy in Mikael Kaufman's performance. Paul Nabel was another player who I think did exceptionally well for them. He got four goals and six assists this season, but he was always able to play that great pass or or start a a really good bit of attacking play. And then, arguably, the best of all of them, Marvin Wanitzek, the... Midfielder who became a legend on my Tennis Borussia Berlin save, helping guide Tennis Borussia straight through the five Bundesliga. But in real life, was also good, and so we should probably focus on that because it's more important. Ten goals, twelve assists, and simply sensational this season. As another train goes by the window. Normally, I have my window shut so you can't hear them, but you know, today, today we're going to have to put up with train noises. I hope you like trains. I like trains. That's a reference to something from very, very long ago. Anyway, <laughs> this is not Carsworth. We should talk about Carsworth. So, at no point did it feel like they were in relegation trouble. It didn't really feel like, to me at any point, they were serious contenders for going up either, though. And this is. This is a perfectly acceptable season for for Karlsruhe and for their expectations. I don't think they've been expecting to push any further up the table than they have done. Last year, Karlsruhe finished 12th in the Spitebunds League. This year, they finished 7th, so it is definitely a big upgrade. And There's more reason to be optimistic for next season as well, because Lars Stindl is returning to Karlsruhe. Stindall made 58 appearances for Karlsruhe before moving to Hanover in 2010 and in 2015 he joined Borussia Mönchengladbach where he has gone on to be a fantastic servant for the club in 8 years making 271 appearances but he is going back to Karlsruhe for the upcoming season and I do think he'll be absolutely Fantastic for them. So, reasons to be optimistic for were going into next season, but they are going to have to replace Mikael Kaufmann because he was a loanee, and that's going to be difficult. Eighth in the Sweden League this year were Holstein Kiel, and in his introductory press conference as Leicester City manager, Claudio Ranieri said that his goal every year was to get one point more ...than his side did in the previous campaign. While Holstein Kiel did that this year, they got one point more than they did last year. 45 last year, 46 this year. So, well done, I guess. They also finished a place higher in the Spiders Bundesliga. 9th last year, 8th this year. Which means it's only 6 more years until they get promoted to the Bundesliga... ...because that's how maths works. Marcel Rapp did a decent job in his first full year at the home, though his predecessor, Ole Werner, currently on bigger and better things at the moment. Of course, the key player for Holstein Kiel was the man who I couldn't pronounce the name of at the beginning of the campaign, Steven Skribski, doing very well for the club, potentially earning a move in the summer He got 15 goals and 4 assists. Obviously, a player who did earn a move from Holstein Kiel was Fabian Rieser, who got 11 goals and 10 assists and was one of the best players of the Bundesliga and will be hoping to be so next year with Hertha Berlin. Apart from him, the only players who come to mind are probably Patrick Evas. The defender and, of course, the best player in the Svaterpunt's Liga, Harker Val, who will be joining St. Pauli next year. Having scored a goal for St. Pauli this year, granted it was an own goal, but, you know, it's a success of sorts. So, yeah, Holstein Kiel did progress this year, but it wasn't by much and there's not too much to write home about. Except that 5-1 win on the last day against Hanover, and actually, whilst we're on the topic of that game... It is the end of a long and tenured career for Finn Bartles. He's retiring this summer. He played 87 games for Holstein Kiel since joining in 2020. Though, of course, he will probably be better known for his time at Verde Bremen. He spent six years at Verde Bremen and he spent four years at St. Pauli. So, best of luck to him in whatever he embarks on next. Ninth in the fight Bundesliga were Kaiserslautern and obviously finishing in the top half in your first season back in the second tier can only be considered a success for Dirk Schuster and company and they did actually look like they could genuinely push for promotion at the beginning of the campaign. They got off to a really fast start. Uh, they did cool down obviously after that but a top half finish is still exceptional for newly promoted side. Of course the star of Kai this year was Terence Boyd, the attacker, with 13 goals and 2 assists. He was absolutely incredible. Apart from him, Philip Clement, Kevin Kraus, Boris Tomiak and Andreas Luter also putting in good campaigns for the club. It is fair to say as well that Kai Slouten were one of the real entertainers in the Svijkspons League this season. There were quite a lot of games in which... They were phenomenal. The game was really entertaining. The 2-1 win against Hannover on the opening day of the season was absolutely fantastic. Their 3-1 win against Greuter to Firth. The 4-0 draw with Magdeburg. The 3-0 draw... With Darmstadt, the 3-2 win against Armenia Bielefeld, which I was watching whilst recording the first episode of the Thousand Hours podcast, which I think we referenced during that episode. The 2 all draw against Heidenheim, where they scored twice in added time to rescue a point. After Heidenheim had missed a penalty, the 2-0 win against HSV, the 3 all draw against Nuremberg with that 95th minute Philip Clement free-kick. I should remember because I wrote it in my Survivor Bundesliga article about the most memorable moments from every single matchday. I also mentioned their late defeat against Armenia Bielefeld. Those final four games came in a run of one winning, in 12 to close the season. So that wasn't good. And I think if they hadn't done that, well, they wouldn't have been in promotion contention. Because at that point, I think the top three were already clear of Kai Slouten. But they would have been a lot closer, would have been higher up the table and maybe would be even more positive about Keita Slouten at the end of this campaign. But this is still a good starting place for them in the fight Hopefully they are able to build on this season and get back into the Bundesliga in the next few years. We are definitely going to have to do another edition of a Regional League look at the end of this episode because, oh boy, is there stuff happening in the game between Unterhashing and Energy Cotbus. Also, there's stuff happening in Le Mans, but that's not German football. So I'm not going to bore you with stuff about the number eight Toyota and and the number fifty one Ferrari, which looks like it's about to win Le Mans. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is that Hanover finished tenth in the Schweizer Bundesliga this year, and it's safe to say that there was more optimism. About Hanover this year than there was last year for a start, they had hired Stefan Lytle, a manager who had been promoted with Goethe Firth in the past. And they also went out and signed an awful lot of players going into this year. Derek Kern came in for €500,000 then they made quite a few Three agent signings including Akin Salebi, Tony Stahl, Louis Schaub, Max Basusko, Fabian Kunze, Enzo Leopold, Phil Neumann, Havard Nielsen. And then they also brought in Brighter A and B and Antonio Foti on loan. And to be honest, they showed promise through the opening stages of the season. But they were never really in serious automatic promotion contention. They were fourth. As late as match day 16. But after that they did fall off a cliff into mid-table mediocrity. Far closer to the relegation places than they were to promotion. They were 22 points behind Hamburger. And just 10 points ahead of the side who finished in 16th place. I say that like you don't already know that it was Armenia Bielefeld who finished 16th. So 10 points ahead of Armenia Bielefeld. There were a few notable players on this Hanover side. One of them was one of those new signings as well, Derek Kern. Probably the best of the newcomers. Playing in all but one game with five goals and six assists as well. Havard Nielsen had a good season for the club, but the star was probably Cedric Toyshare, who not only had a few great highlight moments, one of which we mentioned On the article about the best moment from every fighter Bundesliga match day, but he also got 14 goals in the league, so he was absolutely fantastic. And maybe you can be impressed with some of the performances from Ron Robert Zehl. But this was an underwhelming campaign for Hanover, and Stefan Lytle will be itching to improve upon that next year, considering the expectations for this year and the expectations for last year. Only finishing two points in one place better isn't really good enough. So progress needed from Hanover in 2023-24. 11th in the fighter Bundesliga this year were Magdeburg, and for a newly promoted club, they did very well, finishing nine points clear of the relegation places. And at no point in the latter stages of the season did it really feel like they were going to struggle against the drop well after they climbed out of relegation places I should say because they were 18th as late as match day 19 but once they started to move up after that it didn't feel like they were going to be back in trouble again and it was primarily the same players who guided them to promotion who kept them in the Spider-Man's League this year they did make changes to the squad there were a few interesting signings Daniel Alphardley played well. Sila Skanaka or Sila Snacker played well as well. Jamie Lawrence, my football manager legend, did not play well, which was a real disappointment. But to be honest, when it came to the best players, I think the two who really carried them more than anyone else were two players who were already there. Baris Attic playing really well, eight goals and four assists. Moritz Brony-Quarteng also playing well with 10 goals and two assists. So, a lot of credit to Magdeburg because, like I said, once they finally got clear of those relegation sort of worries with over 10 games to go, really, they didn't feel like they were going to go down. They were always on the periphery, I guess, and it took a lot longer for me to say, wow, they're now absolutely 100% safe. Loud bird outside, by the way, but (laughs) I'm not closing my windows. It's absolutely boiling in here, but anyway, not the point. Loudbird aside, Magdeburg did play really well this year and writes a credit to their manager Christian Tits. They do have a lot of good memories as well from this season. I think the three games that particularly stand out for me, that 4 wall draw with Kaiserslautern that we've already mentioned. And then beating HSV twice somehow. And both times by the same score. They first met up in October, Magdeburg winning that game 3-2. They then did the same thing again in April, with both Baris Attic and Tatuya Ito scoring really good goals for the club. When it's not birds, it's trains. So much background noise in today's episode, but you know what? It's okay, we're going to power through and not mention every single disturbance there is, because I'm sure that's not great for you. Anyway... Again, we'll get back on, on topic now. So, there were a lot of great games for Magdeburg this year. They did entertain their fans, and their fans will also be trekked to another season of Zweite Bundesliga Football, so well done to everyone at Magdeburg for ensuring survival this year. Of course, none of the three promoted sides went down, so a credit to all three of them. We'll be talking about the final team in a bit. 12th in the Zweiter Bundesliga were Greuter Firth. Wow, a side who were just relegated finished 12th in the Zweiter Bundesliga. That's terrible. Well, it could be worse and we'll get on to worse later on. But for the time being, Greuter Firth started off the season with Mark Schneider at the helm. He had just joined the club from Vasland Beveren. And in hindsight, he probably wishes that he didn't do that because he only got 12 games in the job. He was, we'll say, not great during those 12 games, as Greutherford looked like they were in serious danger of going down under him. At the time he was released from the club, Goethe were 16th in the Svijterbund's league table, just two points ahead of bottom of league league, Armenia Bielefeld, and well luckily only two points behind Sandhausen because the season was still young at that point. By the time his replacement, Alexander Zorniger, came in, Goethe were bottom of the Svijterbund's league, that was only a week later, and it meant that Zorniger had just 21 games to try and save Greuter Firth and give credit to him because he absolutely did that. His 31 points in 24 games was almost enough by itself to keep Greuter Firth in the Svita Bundesliga, even if Mark Snyder hadn't done anything at all. And Mark Snyder pretty much didn't do anything, but. It's fair to say that the decision to hire Zorniger was a better decision than the one to hire Snyder, and it's no surprise that he'll be staying on for next season as a result. Whether a lot of Goethe key men will be remaining of the club is another matter. I was surprised that Bramir Hrugota didn't get a chance to move to another Bundesliga club after last season. Which might be me being exceptionally biased as a proud member of the Hergotta fan club, but again, he was the star man for Goethe Firth this year, playing nearly every game 11 goals, 2 assists. He was fantastic. Julian Green had a few standout moments, though I think the Sparta Bundesliga is much closer to his level. Ragnar Asche deserves some credit as well. Still, if Greuter Firth are to be promoted back to the Bundesliga, They're going to need a lot more than the performances of Bramir Hugota and the occasional moment from Julian Green when you remember why he was so highly rated so many years ago. Speaking after the season, Alexander Zerniger said, We urgently need a ball conqueror in midfield and we need someone up front who scores 10, 12, 14 goals like Bramir Hugota. And also, obviously, a replacement for Marco John, who I forgot to mention this year, but he was very good as well. Most of the positions are just like that I say let's just get on with it again and that's a good sort of way to end this part of the review because if they do get on with it with Zorniger at the helm they could be pushing much further up the Sweater Bundesliga table next year than they were this year. 13th in the Sweater Bundesliga were Hansa Rostock and last year I made a point that Hansa hadn't been in the same league for at least three seasons since the mid-2000s. And with staying up this year, they have confirmed that they will be in the same league for the third straight year. So, well done them, I guess. They didn't take the easy route to doing that, though. This was a difficult season, we'll say, for Hans Rostock, And I'm not just talking about with their fans creating controversy and continuing them being a national sort of disgrace, I guess. They also made it tough for themselves on the pitch. They started off the season with Jans Hartle as their manager, a guy who had been at the helm since 2019. He wouldn't make it to the World Cup break, though being sacked after 15 games where Hansford won five, drawn two and lost eight on 17 points, only two points clear of St Pauli, in the relegation playoff place, as well as Nuremberg in the automatic relegation places. His replacement was Patrick Glockner, but he didn't do well with the club. In the 10 games he managed, he only picked up 8 points, putting Hansa into further relegation danger. 25 points. They were level on points with 15th place, I mean, you be the foul, but they were in 17th place themselves. It was at that point that they turned to Alwar Swartz who had been sacked by Sandhausen earlier on in the season. He did not have a good stint with Sandhausen at least this campaign but he was better for Hansa Rostock. They were still 17th with five games to go but in those final five games they would pick up 13 points to make sure they were more than safe by the end of the season. Hans's player of the season in my opinion, clearly Kai Proger, 10 goals and 3 assists and there were a lot of times I can remember this year where I credited his finishing and his performances and less so with his celebrations because he scored a good goal against Kai and then tried to do a cartwheel and just completely failed. So yeah, maybe not the best celebrator in the world but you'd think with the number of goals he scored he'd have plenty of time to to practice and think about what he wants to do. Anyway, Hans of Rostock back in the Bundesliga for a third year. Now, if they could only sort out those fan troubles, then they'd be looking much better than they currently are. Fourteenth in the Spider Bundesliga were Nuremberg, and it's safe to say that this year wasn't ideal for the club taking a big step back on their eighth place finish from last year. Last year, they finished off just nine points behind HSV in third place this year, a few more than that. If you want to be precise, a whole 27 points behind HSV in third place. And they went through a lot of managers as well. They, they made a big sort of statement at the beginning of the season. They were one of the more active teams in the transfer market. They brought in Christoph Daffner from Dynamo Dresden for one million euros, which signing a player for a million is not as common in the Sparta Bundesliga as it is in other leagues. Then again, they did also sell Killian Fisher for two and a half million. So. I think they actually made a profit in the end, but Quadro Dewa came in for seven hundred thousand and then they signed a lot of other players as well. Manuel Vinceheimer, Jan Guy Mera, James Lovens, Danny Bloom. They brought in a lot of familiar players, a lot of players on loan as well. They started off the season with the same manager they've had or they had since twenty twenty, I believe he joined Robert Klaus. But he lost his job after 10 games with a poor record as well. 1-3, drawn 1, lost 6. They were obviously on 10 points. Meaning he was getting a grand total of 1 point per game for the mathematicians in the audience. He was replaced by Marcus Feinseal, the former Augsburg manager. And I slated the decision to sack him at the time they did but in his 11 games one, three drawn three lost five 12 points so he wasn't exactly doing amazingly my problem was more with the fact that Dieter Hecking the sports director had hired himself to be the manager in a very Isaiah Thomas of the Knicks sort of way that's a very American reference why didn't I just say Mark Bowen at Reading that's a much better example a much more modern example as well I was very worried about that, but in his 13 games, 1-4, drawn 5, lost for 17 points. So it wasn't exactly fantastic, but it was better than the managers that he had hired. But this was a massive season of underachievement for Nuremberg. There's no other way to look at it. Considering where they were last year, considering the players they brought in, they should have been doing a lot better than they did. James Lovens is good. That's, that's something I think I can say, honestly. Because, like, they only conceded 49 goals. That was a top half defence in the Spider League this year. So he was good. And Quadro Dua had a few moments that were really impressive in his 11 goal campaign. But apart from those two, I'm sure there are players that Nuremberg fans can think of, but I very much can't. They have already appointed a new manager for the upcoming season, A internal promotion for Christian Thiel. He was the former manager of nurnberg Schwei, but he is going to be taking over the first team. He did manage Dinamo Dresden in the past, but not for very long. And fun fact about Christian Thiel, he joined Union Berlin as a player the year after they made the dfb Pacal final. So he was able to play in Europe despite being a Schweiter Bundesliga player, which is absolutely fantastic. I I wish they hadn't taken away the spot in the Europa League for the cup final runners-up, because I want to see second-tier sides in the Europa League. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Anyway, not the point of this part. Nuremberg. Well, actually Nuremberg were close to getting into the FB Pacal final. They made it to the quarters, so you know, that's something. But yeah, this wasn't a good season for Nuremberg. They do need to improve next year. They need to be as good next year as their human rights kit was this year, because that was one of the nicer kits of the season. Just before we move on to the next side, one thing that I forgot to mention with both Nuremberg and Hansa of is that they both only scored 32 goals this year? I mean, to score less than a goal a game is just really bad. It's absolutely terrible. And both of them had decent goal scorers, or at least one decent goal scorer Kai Proga for Hansa and Quadwell Dua for Nuremberg. But oh my God, you cannot have one player account for over a third of your goals. Just. Sign anyone. Sign literally anyone. Especially in this fight, by the way, where the long-standing tradition is that you need an old, experienced fighter Bundesliga striker to get you out of the league. Like, just sign anyone. Or, like, kidnap simon Monterodder and clone him. Do not do that. But, you know, try anything. 15th in the fighter Bundesliga this year were Eintracht Braunschweig. And there's not much to say about a side who finished... Two points clear of the drop, but as a newly promoted side, staying up in any way, shape or form is good enough. Apparently not for the Eintracht Braunschweig like board, because they have sacked the manager from this campaign, Michael Scheiler. For Jans Hartel, the guy we've already discussed in this episode, because obviously he started off this season as the manager of Hans Rostock. But anyway... Eintracht Braunschweig in their first year back in the spider Bundesliga. League. They've been a yo-yo club for quite a few years now, but if they can stabilise themselves at this level over the next few years, that'll be absolutely fantastic for them. It's going to be a challenge, it always has been, and it's going to be more of a challenge because you expect them to lose Emmanuel Ferrari in the summer, who was the star of the show this year. He got nine goals and five assists and at 22 is clearly a great young talent. The other great player for them this year, former Union Berlin striker Anthony yuja with 10 goals and five assists. There are going to be moments that Braunschweig fans remember from this campaign. I, I know this all sounds very generic, but you know, it's true. Particularly, of course, my favourite Eintracht Braunschweig moment from this season, which was... They come-from-behind draw against Armenia Bielefeld when they went 3-0 down after 20 minutes and were able to rescue a point from that. That was absolutely fantastic. And it's part of the reason why Antrop Braunschweig will be back in the fight a next year. I know this has been a very generic review, but like I said, there's not much to say about a side who finished two points clear of the draw and were expected to be there in the first place. Okay, let's go into the three relegated sides then and let's start off with Armenia Bielefeld. Embrace yourself for a journey into hell because good God, this Bielefeld season was nothing short of a disaster. Last year, they were playing in the Bundesliga and getting respectable results against some of Germany's biggest sides. And next year, they'll be playing in the Dritter League the first side to get back-to-back relegation since Paderborn in 2014-15 and 2015-16. The reason for these back-to-back relegations is simple and takes us back to Greuter Firth. When they realised that Mark Snyder wasn't the right man for the job, they made the correct decision in bringing in Alexander Zorniger to replace him. Bielefeld also decided early on in the season that they weren't happy with their manager. They decided it a lot earlier than Firth did. The manager at the start of the campaign was Uli Fort, or Uli Forte. Like I've said many times before, I didn't really have enough time to figure out how to say his name. Well, Uli Forte'd be the manager at Bielefeld for a long time, but Uli fought wrong because he only got four games in the end, all of them losses, as Bielefeld were joint bottom of the Fighter Bundesliga. So, Bielefeld had to think very carefully about who their next manager would be, and they decided to hire Daniel Scherning from Osnabrück. And to give you a sense of why that was a bad decision, I don't think it's any coincidence that Osnabrück were significantly better after he left than when he was there. They claimed promotion, of course under Tobias Weinsteiger at the end of the season, which I just don't think they would have done with Schoening at the helm because they were very much stuck in mid-table mediocrity through those opening games of the campaign. Of course, it's not a big sort of sample to go off with him at Osdebrook this season, but he did not do well for Bielefeld. In his 19 games managed, he would win 6, draw 3 and lose 10 for 21 points. That left Bielefeld in 16th place, only one point off safety. And the right man, the right managerial hiring the third time around would mean safety. They hired Uwe Koshinat, who is not Uwe Neuhaus. And to be honest, I think Bielefeld fans would wish that he was, because he started off promisingly. It looked like Bielefeld were going to avoid the drop, but overall, 1 3, drawn 4, lost 4. Thirteen points they skidded again towards the end of the season, and a four nil defeat away at Magdeburg on the last day of the season meant the relegation playoffs where they would be taking on a vehan side who were bitterly disappointed because they had missed out on promotion in very hs fiend like circumstances, but in the first leg. Arminia Bielefeld completely capitulated on the pitch, losing 4-0 and of course those ugly scenes with their fans really kicking off, throwing firecrackers and smoke bombs onto the pitch with Fabian close in tears. They made a good start to the second leg but it always felt like it was going to be too big of a mountain to climb and Vehan would win that second leg 2-1 to relegate Arminia Bielefeld. I feel like I'm pointing out the really obvious here, but apparently the hire up at Arminia Bielefeld have not realised this. Hiring a good manager tends to be quite important if one wants to stay up in a league. And the three hirings they made were very bad. Who knows if Ali would have turned it around if he was given the chance to manage more than four games, I doubt it. Daniel Schoening, while Osnabrück seemed to be better without him than with him, a meant with a caution at could not save the side when it mattered most. He could not manage the side through adversity. That's why they lost 4-0 on the last day to Magdeburg. That's why they lost 4-0 against a Dritter League side. And it's why next year Arminia Bielefeld will be a Dritter League side themselves. There were good players in this side. Robin Hack had some amazing moments this season and... While not confirmed, it does look like he's going to be moving to the Bundesliga next year, which he absolutely deserves. Masai Okagawa, as well, was brilliant through parts of this campaign. Only through parts, because the side did get relegated for a reason. The other reason was that BLF couldn't defend to save their lives. They conceded 62 goals in the spider Bundesliga this year. That is the second-worst record, only one goal ahead of Sandhausen. And there were a lot of times where our defenders just made really, truly basic mistakes. And Martin Freisel, a league-winning goalkeeper with Schalke the year before, was just a shadow of his former self. He was absolutely terrible this season. Of course, we mentioned in the... Well, I mentioned because I wrote it. In the article about the most memorable moments from every Bundesliga book League of match day that his spill against Paderborn on the penultimate game of the season essentially cost Armini Bielefeld two points. And if they had got those two points, they would not have been in the relegation playoff match. They would have done enough to survive on goal difference. So it really shows those sort of sliding door moments that can dictate a season. But I don't want to put too much blame on Frizel because if you're in that position in the first place, it's because you've been bad for the entire campaign, not because one moment alone has doomed you. This is a series of errors that have led Armenia Bielefeld into this position and they do have to rebuild again next season. Just going to cut in here whilst I've been editing this it's been announced that Fabian Klose is actually going to stay at Armenia Bielefeld next season now so the club legend remaining to help guide his side back up hopefully from the Drittliga he first announced that he was going to leave Armenia Bielefeld at the end of last year, whilst they were in the Bundesliga, but relegation meant that he called that off, and now he's called off another retirement because of another relegation. So hopefully he's able to have a better final game with Bielefeld than this final game. I mean, he is slightly turning into Michael Jordan with a number of retirements, but hopefully he'll be able to create some better memories next season than he was able to create this season. 17th in the spider Bundesliga were Jan Regensburg and once again Jan Regensburg got off to one of their uncharacteristically good starts. They were top of the league after three games on seven points. You might remember they were in the top three for a very long time last season before trailing off while this year they got their weirdly good start out of the way early. They collapsed after that and ended up getting relegated. Seven points through their first three games, just 24 points through their final 31 games, so definitely dropping off after that promising start to the season. There's not much to say about Jan Regensburg, they're sort of overachieving at the Bundesliga level. I guess Prince Seiyu was good with nine goals in the league this year. I also think Benedict Gimber was alright, but to be honest, when a side have been relegated, it's normally because all of our players aren't very good. And that was the case for Jan Regensburg this season. They made a managerial change weirdly late on when it was already clear that that they were going to go down. Following their matchday 31 defeat against Rostock, they sacked Mursad Selimbegovic, who had been there since 2019, and replaced him with Joe Enox, the American. And you might wonder why that wasn't reported on this podcast, and that's because I genuinely didn't know. But anyway, Joe Enox is a great guy. He used to play for St. Pauli in the 90s. He joined the club from Zvacow in the Dritte Liga. And that's weird because Zvacow were relegated from the Dritte Liga this year. So, you know, it's not like he was an absolutely fantastic manager who was guiding Zvacow to new amazing heights. Nah, he got them relegated. And then he was the guy who officially got Jan Magensburg relegated, except not really because it felt like they were already down. They did have a chance to get into the relegation playoff. Under Enoch so only two points behind Armenia Bielefeld but they would only pick up three points through their final three games whereas Bielefeld would pick up four. So yeah Jan Regensburg going back down to the Dritterliga ending their six-year stay in the second tier. Final team two going to then 18th in the Zweite Bundesliga were Sandhausen. Sandhausen have been a fighter Bundesliga side for 11 years. And to be honest, nobody has quite known how they've been able to stay in the league for that long. But we started off the year with Auroa Schwartz as manager. And because of the fact that you know that he finished the season as Hans Vostok manager, you can guess that it didn't go too well. Actually, could have left of his own accord, but he didn't leave of his own accord. 21 games, 19 points. Not exactly fantastic, but significantly better than his successor, Thomas Avall, who would manage the side for six games and get two points. Not exactly ideal. When Gerhard Kleppinger came in as the third and final manager this year for Sandhausen, he did show signs of improvement. They picked up seven points through his first three games in charge and then none through any of the other games. He had seven points in seven games I meaning he was the only manager for Sandhausen this year to crack the one points per game barrier so well done him I'm sure Barcelona will be calling any day now but yeah this was a side who were overachieving by being in the spider Bundesliga, especially for the number of years that they stayed in the league for the only good players the Kinzombies, David and Christian both getting six goals David Kinsombi is already on the move He's joining Paderborn for the upcoming season. But yeah, there's not much to say for Sandhouse, and it's a miracle they were able to stay in the Spider Bundesliga for so long. But who knows? With the right manager, preferably not Thomas Aval, they might be able to bounce back at the first attempt. Okay, it's time to wrap up this episode with a look at my Spider Bundesliga awards. So, following on from the awards that I did in the Bundesliga review, exactly the same, but obviously. The key difference being that this will be full of of Spider-Bundesliga players and not Bundesliga players, because if I did Bundesliga players, it would be a bit weird. But anyway, let's start off then my player of the season. I gave this one a lot of thought, but I think there's only one player who can take home the award at the end of the day, and it's Tim Kleindienst of Heidenheim. 25 goals and 6 assists, 31 goal contributions, absolutely exceptional. He was the reason, more than anyone else, as to why Heidenheim were promoted to the Bundesliga. Of course, he scored the game-winning goal in the 99th minute of their game against Jan Regensburg that did confirm not only promotion, but the title as well. It's not for that, it's for his entire body of work over the course of this season. He was absolutely exceptional. For my Young Player of the Year was a tough choice between two. I decided to be relatively strict with the age and go 23 and younger. I could have done the whole Tour de France idea of young and gone for 25 and younger. But now, 23 and younger. And there were two players who I was really considering for this award. But I decided in the end to give it to a player who I have praised a lot this year. Mikael Kaufman, the lonely for Karlsruhe was absolutely exceptional for them this year and arguably their best player, but I know a lot of people will understandably say it was Marvin Wanitzek, especially because Wanitzek did play in more games, but 10 goals and 6 assists, he was absolutely Exceptional. You know, I I would say Wannick was better, but Wannick is also 30, so he can't qualify for this award. But yeah, Mikhail Kaufman was absolutely exceptional and barely put a step wrong. And since I edited something in earlier, I want to edit in something else. Mikael Kaufmann has since signed for Union Berlin, which is absolutely exceptional. Erz Fischer and company doing a great bit of business there. I am so excited to see how Mikael Kaufmann plays for Union Berlin. I think he'll be absolutely fantastic. I'm very giddy about this signing. For my manager of the season, I'm going to be a bit controversial because this is a manager who did not manage for the entire season and it's going to come off as incredibly biased, but I think the best manager this year was Fabian Herzler, the St. Pauli manager. When St. Pauli sacked Timo Schultz and replaced him with Fabian Herzler, they were in the relegation places. It looked like they were under serious threat of going down and Fabian Herzler turned them into not only a promotion contender, but by quite some distance the best side in the Zweiter Bundesliga. In the 17 games that he managed, St. Pauli picked up 41 points, 13 wins, 2 draws, 2 defeats. The next closest side are Heidenheim, obviously the champions of the Zweiter, on 34 points. That's 7 points better for Fabian Herzler and St. Pauli. I don't know how you can argue against that. He turned a relegation contender into the best side in the Spite. You can't get a more dramatic change than that. So for me, Fabian Herzler was the best manager in the Spite Bundesliga this season. My signing of the season, this was a toughie, but I've decided to go with Jan-Nicholas Bester of Heidenheim. Obviously, he was playing for Jan Regensburg last year. And the move to Heidenheim was an incredibly smart one for both player and club, obviously. jan Nicholas Bester will be playing in the Bundesliga next year, jan Megsburg will be playing in the Dritter, but also he was arguably... The second most important player for Heidenheim behind Tim Kleindienst with 12 goals and 12 assists. He was absolutely sensational for them for just €350,000 as well. A great bit of business by Heidenheim. That would normally put him in contention for a bargain of the season. But there were two, three signings that I thought were absolutely exceptional. And it was really hard to... Separate the two, so I'm going to mention both of them. The person I decided to give the award to in the end was Conor Metcalf of St. Pauli. The centre midfielder was absolutely exceptional this season. There were a few really great moments from him. I particularly remember the pass against Sandhausen that set up a goal for Lion, which was one of the best passes I've ever seen any player have at any level of football. I, I was simply in awe of it and I was like showing it to everyone I knew going oh my god Connor Metcalf is amazing he was a free signing from Melbourne City and the reason he edges out the award over the person I'm going to mention is because he's 22 so he has a lot of chance to get better and develop for St. Pauli over the next few years whereas the other player is 29 years old so You know, he's already at his peak, he's not going to get better, whereas Conor Metcalf could improve even more as the years go on. However, the other player does win my Rookie of the Season, because Rookie of the Season just goes to anyone who hasn't played in the Sweiterbunds League before this campaign. They can have played in a more prestigious league and a better league. As long as they've not played in the Sweiterbunds League, they are eligible for the reward, and that's why Rookie of the Season goes to Christoph Zimmermann of Darmstadt. The defender was arguably... The best or second best defender in the Spider League of this season. You'll see that I think that when we get onto our team of the season. But yeah, he's been absolutely exceptional. He was also a free signing and it was hard to separate him and Metcalf a bargain of the season, but because Metcalf has more chance to improve, I decided to give it to him. But anyway, Zimmerman was fantastic, one of the best defenders in the league in his first season in the league and maybe in his last season in the league as well because obviously he was promoted with Darmstadt and will not be wanted to come back down to the Sparta Bundesliga for a long time. Game of the season, this one was a very easy decision to make. I know that... It can sometimes be hard to remember some of the better games from earlier on of the season, but this time, the best game of the season was on the last day of the season. It was Heidenheim winning away at Jan Regensburg to not only secure promotion, but the league title. Scoring those two goals in added time to win 3-2, it was as dramatic as a football match could get. Credit though to Kaiserslautern 2 Heidenheim 2 where Kaiserslautern 1 scoring 2 goals in at a time to rescue a point. The Eintracht Braunschweig 3 Armenia Bealefout 3 game was absolutely fantastic and as much as I don't want to admit it HSV 4 St. Pauli 3 was also quite the classic. Finally goal of the season and this was hard. This was hard. I had 8 goals on my shortlist originally. But the goal that I ended up selecting was one that I saw live, because I was watching the game live. And as soon as I saw it, I thought, wow, that is almost certainly going to be goal of the season. It was Robin Hack for Armenia Bielefeld against Heidenheim. It was an absolutely fantastic play from Hack. A goal kick from Armenia Bielefeld was headed up into the air by one of Hack's teammates. And then he hit it on the full volley from very far out like halfway between the box and the halfway line, looping into the net. It was absolutely sensational for him to hit it first time and hit it so perfectly first time. I I think deserves the honour of being goal of the season. So go and have a look at that goal if you can. I would highly recommend you do so. And finally, finally, I'm going to go through my team of the season because I... Completely forgot that I was going to do a team of the season when I said the final award would be goal of the season. But I did it on last year's Fighter Bundesliga Review podcast. I did it on yesterday's Bundesliga Review podcast. So, of course, I'm going to do it again on this podcast too. And like with the episode yesterday as well, I'm going for the Mike Bassett formation. I'm going for a 4-4-2 four, four, the reason for this is the same as it is in the Bundesliga. I want to get two strikers into my team. So let us begin. Marcel Schuwen of Darmstadt is the goalkeeper in this team of the season. My back four, Marnen Busch of Heidenheim, Patrick Meinke of Heidenheim, Christoph Zimmerman of Darmstadt and Liat Paccarada of St. Pauli. My midfield, Felix Klaus of Fortuna Dusseldorf, Marvin Wanitzek of Karlsruhe, Jackson Irvin of St. Pauli, and Jan-Nicholas Bester of Heidenheim. Up front, this was really hard, and I'll be honest, I think one of the decisions might be quite controversial, but I'll explain why in a bit. Tim Kleidienst of Heidenheim is very not controversial because he was the best player in the Sparta Bundesliga this season but my other one I've decided to go with David Kornatsky of Fortuna Dusseldorf. The reason for this is that whilst he wasn't the next highest scoring striker in the Sparta Bundesliga he did have more goal contributions than the other striker you're thinking of Only by one, I think Kornatsky had 23 goal contributions and the other striker you may be thinking of had 22. But I think as well, Kornatsky just had more moments where I was like really, really impressed, where I'd go, wow, he's absolutely amazing. So that's why I decided to put Kornatsky in my team of the season. My bench is definitely too big for this fighter Bundesliga, but who cares? It's a team of the season, so we don't have to actually... Put this side out onto the pitch. Kevin Muller of Heidenheim is my backup goalkeeper then. For the rest of the team, Manolis, Sally of St. Pauli, Jakov Madyk of St. Pauli, Sebastian Schleunlau of HSV, Julian Josvan of Paderborn, Ludovic Rice of HSV, Conor Metcalf of St. Pauli, Florent Muslia of Paderborn, Robin Hack of Armenia Bielefeld, Robert Glatzel of HSV, that's the other striker you were probably thinking of, Fabian Rieser of Holstein Kiel and Mikael Kaufmann of Karlsruhe, this side, as mentioned, managed by Fabian Herzler, who is younger than a lot of the players in that team. Okay, I did say I'd do it earlier on in the podcast, so we might as well do it. Just to wrap up all of German football for this season, it's time for a Regional League look. (laughs) And of course, there have been two games in the regional league since we last discussed the league. It is the playoffs between the side who won the regional league Nordost and the side who won the regional league of Bayern that meant it was Energy Cottbus taking on Unterhaching. The first leg being held in Cottbus was a 2-1 Unterhashing win. Really fast start to the game. Nicholas Ansparch opening the scoring for Unterhashing in the 6th minute. Jonas Hildebrandt levelling the scores from the spot of the 14th minute. But a Matthias Fetch goal in the 37th minute would give Unterhashing a valuable away win going back to their home stadium by the way before we move on from the first game the stadium Cottbus playing is the Stadion der Freundschaft which is the stadium of friendship oh how lovely absolutely fantastic but Cottbus would not show friendship in their second game Unterhashing winning 2-0 in the second leg to get promoted to the Dritter League congratulations to them Matthias Fetch. With a goal in the 17th minute, the other goal of the game coming in the 78th minute through Simon Tidis, which is almost certainly not how you pronounce his name. But the game was marred by violence. The Cottbus fans trying to get onto the pitch. There was riot police surrounding the away end by the end of the game, which was not a nice image. But untashing won't mind too much because they're back in the Dritter Liga. As already said, congratulations to them. But that's it. That's all the time we have ongoing Deutsch, not only for this episode, but for the 2022-23 season. This season has been 39 episodes long. I've never done a season anything close to that. I think the longest run of episodes that I've done for a single show before that was probably the NFL Blitz in its first season on URY. It's only season on URY where I think we did 27 episodes, but this being 39, significantly longer than that. So, yeah, it's weird that I'm finally wrapping up the podcast for the year. It only feels like two minutes ago that I was sat there in America writing the first article of the year looking at the first set of fixtures from the spider League of this campaign. But yeah, that's all the time we have on both this episode of Going Deutsch and... For the 2022-23 season, Going Deutsch will return on the 1st of August, looking back at the first set of fixtures from the fighter Bundesliga, and of course, next year, we'll have an even longer one, because I'll probably, probably, I don't know yet, nothing is official, nothing is confirmed, because I can't predict my life, ever, but... I would hope to do the Euros as well next year, so that would be very nice. But for 2022-23, I've been Alex Woodward, and until we meet again for a brand new season of German football, enjoy the summer, and the Wiedersehen.